Welcome to Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. On this podcast, we journey through the devastating experience of the death of a child. Grief is seldom discussed openly in our culture, and the death of a child makes people feel even more uncomfortable. We approach the topic openly and honestly, speaking to people who have lost loved ones and experts who help care for them. Whether you are a parent experiencing loss or someone who wants to support another going through this tragedy, this podcast strives to offer hope and help. Welcome to episode 179 of Losing a Child, Always Andy's Mom. I'm Marcy Larson, Andy's Mom. Today, I am excited to introduce you to Brooke, Libby's mom. You may also know Brooke by a different name because she blogs and is on Instagram and Facebook as Grieving Mommy. So if you look up at Grieving Mommy, you will find her there. And we will talk about that later in the podcast as well. I do want to bring up again that my husband has been after me to do this for a while, and I discussed it a couple of weeks ago on our live stream, but he wants us to do an Ask Me Anything episode. So the Ask Me Anything will be to ask him whatever questions you might have for him or to ask me whatever questions you might have for me. And the best way to ask those questions would be to email us. So if you have a question for Eric, you can email me. And you would email me at marcy at andysmom.com. That's M-A-R-C-Y at andysmom.com. And if you have a question for me, you can email that question to Eric at andysmom.com. So that would be E-R-I-C at andysmom.com. So I think we're not going to tell each other the questions ahead of time and we're just going to kind of wing it a little bit. I'm not sure how it will go. I'm not even sure yet if we're going to do it as a live stream or if we're just going to record it and put it out there. But just start getting those questions coming in. And then when we get a good amount, then we'll be able to kind of finalize some of those details. But for now, I just want you to sit back and enjoy listening to Brooke, or grieving mommy, Libby's mom. Thank you so much, Brooke, for agreeing to come on the Always Andy's Mom podcast today. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. I'm just really looking forward to this conversation and to hear more about your Libby. It sounds like she was kind of a little firecracker, huh? (laughs) She was. She was. Yeah. Libby was just joy. Yeah. Joy incarnate. Like there's no other way to describe her. She seriously just had... A heart of gold. Um, from the time she was tiny little, yeah, she just you know everyone thinks their child is perfect. I, like she was serious for me. She was the perfect daughter. Like I, I could not, you know, <laughs> I couldn't have created a perfect daughter if I would have just planned everything myself. Really? Yeah, and because she's your third, right? She was your third. My third. So I had I had two boys. Um, my boys are twenty and seventeen, almost eighteen. Uh-huh. And then there's a gap. Yeah, <laughs> there's a pretty big gap. And then we had Libby. And I gotta tell you, at first we were kind of like, oh no, right. <laughs> we, we were. She was very unexpected. Right. You thought you were kind of done with two when you have your boys and you're a boy mom. We thought we were done. And they were like eight and six, almost like nine and seven. So they were to the point where they could like, you know, they could sit down and watch a movie and do their own thing. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of getting back to that, like, oh, not having to run around like the little toddler stage. Yeah, right. And actually have a minute to myself. And then I found out I was pregnant and it was like, oh, no. And then we found out we were having a girl and we were just so happy. Like yeah. I was so excited to be having a girl. And yeah, the boys were not as excited yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to be having another baby. But but then once she was born, they got over that really quickly. But yeah. I was going to say, I bet then they adored her. 
They did. They they absolutely did. But there was no way not to adore her. She just like she was a great baby. She was easy. Thank goodness, because I always said like <laughs> being my third one and having that break, like I lucked out so much because she was so easy. Yeah. Yeah. Just, you know, when she started like walking and talking, it's everything was just happy and wonderful and she was just so excited about everything and her favorite phrase to say when she was little was best day ever she's like this is the best day ever <laughs> and she said that all the time and then everything it just kind of became a joke so we would have this thing where I'd be like best daughter ever uh, best mommy ever and we'd like say it back to each other and it was always like the, the best thing ever <laughs> That's funny. She sounds very much like my Andy in some ways. My Andy, though, was very high and very low. So he would have the best day ever. But then it could turn on a dime and be the worst day ever. So I love that she was like the parts of Andy that were the when life was always amazing. You know? Yeah, she didn't really have the lows. And honestly, like her biggest thing was wanting to make sure that everyone else was having the best day ever too. So yeah, I think that's that's how she made such a big impact on people at such a young age. I always tell people like, I wish that I could see myself and that other people could see themselves the way that Libby saw us. Because she saw the absolute wonder and potential in everyone she was always the person like at school you know the teachers always told me that she was the one who would go sit with the kids that were by themselves and she would you know volunteer to help the kids with disabilities and like sit and have lunch with them in the classroom instead of going to the cafeteria and she just like had the biggest heart and wanted everyone to feel as happy as she did and and i just love that about her. And she had her, you know, fun and silly sides too. She loved to play pranks and like jump out and try to scare you and like hide stuff to scare you. And yeah, so personality wise, she just was absolutely incredible. And her other biggest thing was dance. So from the time she was little, it was kind of weird. She, we noticed once she started walking, she was probably about maybe four-ish mm-hmm. we caught her standing on her toes but like her toes like bent under were like this so instead of like you know normally are like this she would stand on the top of her toes bent backwards uh-huh. like this and we have pictures of her like standing like that and we were like oh what are you doing <laughs> that can't be comfortable yeah that's not normal and i posted a picture of it on facebook once and everybody was like get her into ballet <laughs> <laughs> So, and she was always dancing around the house anyway and just loved music. So when she was six, we took her to a dance studio near our house and they were like, all right, bring her in. We'll we'll see what she can do and, and if it would be a good fit. And we brought her in and they were just like, oh my gosh, like this girl, <laughs> this girl needs to dance. And, and that was it. That was, from that point on, she just never stopped dancing. She was freakishly flexible, like Cirque du Soleil flexible. So if you ever look like on my website or anything, you see pictures of her where she she did this thing where she always put her feet like over her head and her back was bent. And it either like you were like, oh my gosh, or you were cringing because it looked so painful. But she could do all these crazy flexibility moves. And that's kind of what she became known for in her dancing. But just still for, for 10 years old, you know, for as young as she was, just ridiculously graceful and and kind of talented beyond her years so did she enjoy all types of dance then or was there something she did she did all different kinds her favorite was more of like the modern Mm -hmm. dance like modern and lyrical so that was kind of what she specialized in she was very tall for her she looked older than 10 so she was very tall you know pretty thin graceful so she she looked really good when she was doing those kind of like long slow lyrical Uh kind of yeah so uh, anyway a joy a joy (laughs) she was she She is just she was amazing I just love hearing you talk about her and seeing you smile yeah (laughs) because you you light up when you talk about her Mm -hmm. there's no way not to honestly yeah 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 (laughs) she she was incredible it's a huge loss for the world honestly Yeah, I think now I'm going to step back kind of in time a little bit because you have gone through a lot of loss in your life before you lost 
Libby. Yeah. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? I think that would be interesting for people to hear. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I feel I'm like one of those people. I feel like a, a grief magnet. And, yeah. and I don't know why but that just happens to some people. <laughs> you know, people are like, why, why does this stuff keep happening to you? I'm I like, I, I have no idea. <laughs> I sort of feel that way, too. So I get it. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's weird. You know, there are some people that like seem to skate through life and not much ever happens. And then other people where it's just like tragedy after tragedy. So it started, I would say the first would be my grandfather when I was 10. He died right before my birthday. I was very, very close with him. We actually had his funeral on my 10th birthday. So that kind of was, that's why that one sticks out in my head. Um, And that was the first time I really lost someone that was very close to me. He lived next door. So I saw him, you know, pretty much every day. And then it kind of jumps to my sister died when I was 27. Yeah. I was 24. I'm sorry. She was 32. And it was completely unexpected. She had a cold, we thought. She sounded congested. She went to the doctor. They gave her medicine. I actually talked to her the night that she died. And she just sounded like she had a cold, you know. Yeah. And and then I got a call in the middle of the night that her five-year-old daughter had gone to wake her up in the middle of the night and she didn't wake up. And she had actually passed away in her sleep. And um, they found out it was, she had actually had pneumonia and her lungs had filled up with fluid oh, while she was sleeping. Lord. And she passed away in her sleep. And that yeah. was just awful. I mean, right. <laughs> you know... I, having a a sibling die. And it was just so unexpected. It was like, well, I just Just talked talked to her. Like Mm -hmm. how, how, like she was just fine. How is she fine? And then like, not fine. So that was, that was pretty rough. And that was also the same year that I had my son, my first child. So that one I think was really hard just because, you know, she had little kids and I had just had my son and we were spending time together you know, doing things with our kids. And I was looking so forward to like our kids being friends and and doing stuff together as they grew up. And then that was kind of all, you know. And that's someone that's supposed to always be there, right? Your sibling, you're like, you grow up together and you expect that you will grow old together and someday you'll take care of your parents together. And that, you know what I mean? That's just what the expectation is. It's just so hard to wrap your head around, I think. Mm Mm-hmm. That one, yeah, that one was, that one was rough. And then my, had a cousin, my first cousin died from cancer. And then my sister-in-law, my brother's wife went through a very long illness that was kind of a freak thing. She had a surgery and something went wrong and then it kind of snowballed and she ended up dying from, from that. And yeah, that was really hard as well because I was close with her and she was amazing. And probably became a little bit of a surrogate sister to you after losing your yes, own. Yes, yeah. she did. And we said that a lot. I, I said that to her all the time. Like, I don't have my sister Shannon, but thank goodness I have a sister again. You know, I feel like I have a sister and then I lose that sister too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So so that was hard. And both just so young. You yeah. know, they were both so young, both in their early 30s. And it's like, what oh, the heck? That's not supposed to happen. Right. Then we get to this past year and a half. Yeah. And that is obviously uh, the worst for me. So it started with my dad. My dad died uh, last October. Mm -hmm. And that was a surprise too. I had had dinner with him two nights before and he seemed totally fine. And then I got a call in the middle of the night again that he had had a heart attack. He was driving home from work in his car and must have knew something was wrong and pulled his car over and then was never able to call someone. He he died from a heart attack in the car on the side of the road. And that was devastating for me. I, I don't know if it's a thing with like girls and dads. (laughs) Like I was, I was close with my dad. I hadn't been close. My parents were divorced and it was a really nasty divorce. So I, I hadn't been as close with my dad as I wanted to be. It was almost like a, we had a relationship where he had a larger than life personality and I just always wanted to make him proud. Yeah. So I was always trying to seeking that approval from him. But as he got older, he, you know, just mellowed a lot more and became a lot more about just being a father and a grandfather. And, and I was really enjoying, you know, spending that time with him, just having great conversations and laughing and joking. So, so that was a surprise too. Yeah. And my stepmom, his wife was not in the greatest shape. She was an alcoholic and was having a lot of medical complications And so I had to help do most of the funeral preparations and stuff for that. And then the day of my dad's funeral, my stepmom didn't show up. And 
like, where in the heck is she? And I ended up getting a call. The funeral director came over at the funeral and it was her brother who called me and said that she had overdosed at their house and they took her to the hospital and she later passed away. So here I am at my dad's funeral service and everyone's wondering where my stepmom is. And I have to like be the one who now steps up and like greets people and whatever. (laughs) And yeah. And, and it was, so yeah, my stepmom overdosed on the day of my dad's funeral. So then I had to help plan my stepmom's funeral. Yeah. So that was just kind of like a one-two punch. And then you think it can't really get much worse, right? Exactly. I'm like, what else is, I already at that point had people saying to me, like, why does this stuff keep happening? And then December, so that was October. And no, that was, I'm sorry, that was November. Mm -hmm. And then December, my mom had been having health problems. And then she was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. So then I had that whole thing of like, oh my gosh, I'm because it's, you know, late stage and, and not good. So I'm like, I'm, I'm going to be an orphan. I'm going to end up losing both of my parents here. Right. And I was dealing with that. And then I got the call about Libby. So it was just, yeah. 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 Compound group. And I honestly feel like. Compound. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't, I still feel like I haven't properly had the time to grieve for my dad and my stepmom and even like the anticipatory grief with my mom i feel like i'm not giving that the time that it deserves yeah because of libby because libby is just so overwhelming yeah everything else is just like nothing else matters right <laughs> right now so i don't know if you can relate to that i mean we talked yeah. a little bit about yeah it. it's just different it, it is just like all consuming it is it is just different it is just different yeah do you want to talk about now what happened to libby Sure. Yeah. That was a fun part. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So she had, um, like I said, her dad and I are divorced. And on Wednesdays, they always went over to his house. Mm-hmm. And so I had dropped her off at dance. She lived at the dance studio. <laughs> so she went there. Day. Right. Right. So I had dropped her off at dance. And, and the last time I saw her, we said, I love you. And we had this routine where we blew each other a kiss, you know, so I last time I saw her, she blew me a kiss and walked into the dance studio. And then my son, who was 19 at the time, Max, he, the routine was he picked her up from dance, and then they would drive over to my ex-husband David's house. So that's what happened. And while they were driving to David's house, Max's car, like an engine light came on, and it started making a funny noise. And so he called my ex-husband and said, like, what do I do? The car's, you know, being weird. I don't know if I should be driving it. And my ex was like, okay, well, don't drive it if you don't feel safe. Just pull into, there's like an outdoor market. And he said, just pull into the parking lot of that outdoor market and I'll come and get you guys and look at the car. Yeah. And he was actually, my my ex-husband was actually on the phone and heard Libby scream and heard like the phone went dead he heard a truck hit and the phone went dead so how i found out about it was i got a phone call that was literally just my ex screaming like i couldn't even understand what he was saying yeah he he was screaming into the phone and then he hung up and i'm like what what was that so i called him back and, and i'm like and he's like sorry i hung up and all I could understand was he said, the kids were in an accident. I think they're dead. Oh. Just like, it's one of those like moments that you never, yeah. ever get out of your head, ever. It's funny because honestly, those are pretty much the exact words that I said to every single person I called from the side of the mm-hmm. road. We've been in an accident and he's dead. Every time, because I think you can't believe it. Right. So you feel like you have to just say it like that. And I mean, which is, you know, a horrible thing I'm sure to hear, but it's just like, it's so horrible to have to say too, you know? Yeah. It it was just the only way I can describe, I remember feeling like when I heard that, it was like everything else just turned black. I don't know. It was like it was like a curtain came down kind of and I just remember feeling like my entire spine turned to ice. Yeah. Like I just I got so cold so fast 
And I asked, I said, where are you? And my husband, I remarried, so my husband was driving. And my ex said where they were. And he said, get here as soon as you can. I don't, he was driving to them. He didn't even know. Like right. he, he knew that it was bad right. from what he heard on the phone, but he, he didn't know if they had made it. So he was on his way there and we just drove there as fast as we possibly could. And I got out of the car and I, I saw my son's car and I just, I knew like I didn't. I didn't even want to get out of the car because I knew it was just going to confirm yeah. what you know, what he had said. What had ended up happening was my son was worried about his car and he wasn't paying attention and he had gone through a stop sign. And it's a notoriously bad intersection and you can't really see what's coming. And there's also, there's a car auction right down the street and there are always huge trucks going back and forth and a car carrier truck with a bunch of cars on it had slammed right into Libby's side of the car. Yeah. And so I got out of the car and, and went over and my ex said, Libby's dead. Yeah. And I just, I fell on the ground. Yeah. You know, I just fell on the ground and I don't, I wasn't crying. I didn't, I couldn't cry. It was just like, it was like everything just shut down. I remember like he he got down there on the ground with me and was explaining to me that that Max, our son, he had survived. He was unconscious um, when the paramedics got there, but they were able to revive him and get him out of the car. And they had taken him in the ambulance by the time I got there to the hospital, but he had a head injury. So we didn't really know like what exactly was going to happen with him, but Libby was gone. And then I remember trying to go to the car because I think it's just instinct i think it's it's yeah. mama instinct you just want to go like that's my baby you yeah know? everyone the police officers um, my ex-husband like held me back he's like nope they're not gonna let you go he's like i already tried he i found out he like when he got there had tried to run to the car and they actually had to like hold him back like tackle yeah. him down because they, they were like you don't don't look at it like you don't want to see you don't want to see her like that i know but you do right i mean <sighs> i it's a, it's one of those things like i know I saw from a distance, I could see them doing CPR from a distance, but I regret to this day not asking to hold him. And I know they would have said no. I know they would have said no, mm-hmm. but I still wish I had tried sometimes, you know. People ask me about it and it's one of the hardest questions that I get because yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Like part of me is like, I am so glad because, because I know that's a picture I'd never get out of my head. Yeah. But because I don't have a picture in my head. My brain just wants to make one up. Yeah, that's the thing. For the longest time and still, you know, still now, especially when I'm in the car, my brain goes to trying to recreate the accident and, and picturing what exactly happened to her. I do that. I lost consciousness, but I have made it up in my head to the point where I feel like I can see it. Yeah. And I can, you know, because... My husband has sort of explained stuff to me and then the rest of it and I end up making up in my head. And, you know, I never got closer than 20 feet watching him do CPR, which obviously, honestly, is horrible Mm. enough to have watched it from that distance. But do I see it in my own head? Yep, I do. Just like it happened that way, even though Mm. I know it didn't. So I don't know what's better. I don't know what's better or not because the the images I have made up are pretty bad. (laughs) Yeah. And that's how it was. I don't know what you did with Annie. We, Libby was cremated and they wouldn't let us see her there either. So yeah, yeah, it's, I can't, I can't decide what's better. I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's not, it's ultimately a decision you don't have to make. So in some ways it's like a silly argument to have with yourself, but, but yet it's weird that you do. Cause I do too. I did the yeah. same. Yeah. Yeah. And ev- literally everyone was like, you do not want to see her. Yeah. Like, just don't like we, <laughs> it was mostly like we legally can't stop you, I guess, but, yeah. you know, if you're going to run past us, but do not do it. Like yeah. don't. We have the accident report, thick accident report in our office. I know it's in our office, but I've been told by many people, you don't want to see it because of the pictures. You don't want to see it. 
So Eric and I have this and neither one of, look, of us have looked at it. It just sits there. And I don't know if I'm going to want to look at it sometime, but it it was our attorney that we got that had looked through it and just very firmly said, you do not want to see this, period. So, but we did, I did go look at the car later. I mean, we went and looked at the car and I don't know. It's just, I don't know. You don't know. It's so hard. It is so hard. I'm almost great. I mean, obviously, I'm grateful that my son lived, right. but I, that almost gave me something else to focus on yeah. because I was, you know, they they said pretty early, like, there's nothing you can do here except stare at the car yeah. and, and cry. So, so why don't you go to the hospital and make sure your son is okay? And so that's that's what we ended up doing. And I'm I'm kind of glad that I had that to do because it yeah worrying about him i think postponed a little bit of that i think i i mean i you know you're yeah. in shock yeah you're just in shock so it was just it became like autopilot like make sure my son's okay and he, he had a head injury it was the weirdest thing marcy like the brain is just amazing like I, yeah he had a concussion but his brain was on a 30 second delay so he could only remember things for about 30 seconds uh-huh and then he would totally forget. Yeah. So we went to go see him and obviously it's hard. He's all bloody and everything. And, yeah. But it was just so bizarre because we started out trying to tell him he'd wake up and be like, where am I? You know, what happened? And we'd explain what happened. And then 30 seconds later, he'd be like, where am I? What, what happened? And it was like, and we just kept having to explain. And there were a couple of times that where we tried to say like, your sister didn't make it or whatever. And, and he would get really upset. And then it was like it just everything went blank and he just started over again. So there were points, it sounds so weird, but there were points that night because we were at the hospital pretty much the whole night that we were almost chuckling. We were like <laughs> telling him stuff. We're like, well, we'd tell you what happened, but you're just going to forget in 30 seconds. And then he'd forget in 30 seconds. We're like, see, we told you, you'll forget this in 30 seconds. And it just kind of be- became this weird thing. Yeah. And he was like that. He, when we brought him home, he was like that. And he still didn't remember anything. And it, it took a little while, but eventually it kind of snapped back. But he does not remember anything about the accident at all. Yeah. Which I'm grateful for. Yeah. Because who, who wants to remember that? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Oh. Yeah. But you're right in that it's nice in some ways to have a little bit of something to worry about. Like Peter was hospitalized overnight for concussion and they were going to hospitalize me in a separate room, but they ended up just putting us together, I think, and probably telling the nursing staff if I started looking funny that, that they needed to just call somebody. Cause I think they knew that we just needed to be together as a family because yeah. I mean, we were here having this conversation, like, what are we going to do? And I remember telling my husband, well, do not leave Peter. You stay with Peter. And if they have to put me in a different part of the hospital, I will be by myself or somebody else will come. But under no circumstances are you to leave Peter. So it was nice when they kind of caved a little bit and decided that they would just hospitalize him so that we could all be together and that somebody would be sort of looking in on me to make sure, you know, because obviously everything on me had been scanned. Everything on all of us had been scanned. When you're in a car accident that bad, they, they pretty much put you in the CT scanner head to toe. <laughs> yeah, that's what Max, yeah. yeah. So anyway, so they, I think they knew that structurally we we're going to be okay. It's just the, the, the head, you know, we both had a loss of consciousness and things like that, yeah. but it was a little bit okay to have that to worry about. And then Peter also, not surprisingly, ended up with a migraine from the whole thing. And so he vomited, but then that gets people worried that like he's vomiting and he lost consciousness and has a concussion. And so what does that mean? You know, but he he also just gets bad migraine headaches where he vomits too. So it could have been just from that. And, you know, but anyway, it's it was nice and a little bit to have a little distraction and to have an excuse to be in a little space together. Yeah, right. Definitely. And everybody came for us. I know my daughter came and my foster son came and we were all just like in this little room together because we couldn't really stand the thought of being apart, you know, that's how we were, too. 
and having to go home, huh, you know, that's hard. Yes, that was definitely hard. I don't know. I, I just, with caring for my son and then, you know, taking him home, I threw myself into all of the preparations. Yeah. I think that was kind of my defense mechanism. Like that was, that was what I did to just keep everything from sinking in. I just went into like super work mode. I wrote Libby's entire obituary. I planned her whole funeral service. My set, like literally wrote every single word, made all these compilations of her dancing. I just, I was like a mad woman. Like I didn't sleep. I barely ate. I just, I was like focused on making that perfect. perfect. Mm -hmm. And I look back now and I'm like, what? That was, <laughs> it was, and I don't even remember it barely. Like yeah. it's just a blur now. And I'm like, how did I do all that? And at the time it was like, I didn't even give it a thought. I just did it. Yeah. It was just this kind of instinct that was like, I've got to get this done. And I think that was my way of my mind, you know, coping yeah. with what had happened. Well, because you can't really deal with it. You just can't. It's just too big. No, it, it's almost impossible to wrap your brain around yeah. it. Yeah. And it's funny. I'm so glad that you can talk about like all of the things that have happened to you and still you couldn't believe it and wrap your head around it. Mm-mm. I think it just goes to the gravity of what it's like to lose your child. It is. Yeah. It, <laughs> it's completely different. It is. Like I know there, there's no, everyone's grief is their own yes, grief. And all sure. is terrible. And losing my sister was terrible and losing my father was terrible. Losing your child is different in a, it's a whole different ball game at least for me personally yeah. it's completely different than losing all of those other people in my life and it's not to diminish what you know you had to go through after losing your sister because it was horrific and awful um, yeah and the worst thing you could have imagined at the time right and exactly. and all of those things are horrible and hard and I don't want anybody to have to go through any of them but it does just, I think, show that you really can't compare, though. It just, please don't. No. I mean, they're literally a yeah. part of you. And I think so much of it is just the the secondary losses. I mean, Libby, I called her my barnacle. Like, everybody joked that she was my barnacle because she was, like, attached to my hip all the time, even at 10. Like, she... Yeah. <laughs> she just always wanted to be with me, and we always did things together. And her brothers were older, so... You know, she and I were like, we just hung out together all the time and snuggled on the sofa and she helped me cook and whatever. And, and then to like come home to that not being there was the weirdest thing. Like that was the biggest adjustment. I think that's what, that's what makes it so hard when it's your child. It was just like, it, it was literally like that part of me had been cut off and yeah. it was like, everything was just wrong. Yeah. And also just like, who the heck am I now? Because yeah. Yeah, because you really do define yourself yeah. that way, right? I did. I was, that was my job. I mean, I had a full-time job. I'm a teacher. <laughs> right. But, but after school, I'm running her to the dance studio and, you know, picking her back up and running my boys. play. I, I was, you know, how it is. Yeah. You're like a busy mom. And yeah. if you have kids that are involved in stuff, you're basically just like a taxi driver and, and a cook yeah. and a cleaner. <laughs> and that's what I did. And that was my identity. And then it just went from that to like now what absolutely true it's so funny because you know i'm a i'm a pediatrician so i'm like a doctor and people think of me as a doctor but i did not really think of myself in that way i really truly thought of myself more as a mom i just yeah. was a mom i was a mom of three kids i did work as a pediatrician but that wasn't like who i was really mm -hmm. i was a mom and it gets to the point i've told this story before on the podcast that one time when andy was pretty young he was like maybe i don't know five or six years old or something and he saw my pay stub sitting on the counter and he was eating a snack and he said what's that mom and i said that's that's my pay stub from my paycheck and he said you're good enough to get paid. <laughs> and, but I think it goes to show that he just thought of me as his mom. Yeah. And then if 
I happen to be a good enough doctor that I could get paid for that too. Well, hey, cool. And he thought that was cool that I was good enough that I could get paid to be a doctor. But that really wasn't who I was. I was his mom. And when I lost, even though I lost one of three, just as you did, you know, and I'm still the mom of the other two, I didn't feel like the same mom. I didn't feel like the same, like, busy, going around, taking her kids to all these activities, mom that I had been before because I wasn't. I mean, I'm one of my kids is dead. And so all of that stuff just ended up not mattering as much. I felt like I still was a mom, but now I'm like a cruddy mom, right? I'm not doing everything that I'm supposed to be doing. I'm not rushing around. I'm not doing all of that. And no one's expecting me to either, which is good in many ways, but it also like my identity is just destroyed. Exactly. (laughs) I totally understand. That's how I, that's been probably my biggest adjustment is going from, because my boys are, you know, my youngest is graduating this year. Yeah. My second husband and I divorced pretty much right after Libby died. So it's just me. Yeah. (laughs) I went from being like a mom with, and I had a stepson. So I had, it was like a family of six to basically just me being at home and my boys do their thing, you know, and, but they don't really need me. No, not on a day-to-day basis. They're around on their own, you know, they hang out with their friends and they can cook, they cook their own stuff. And yeah, I'm like, what the heck do I do now? It's, yeah. it's a really weird adjustment. Yeah. I'm glad you asked that question. What the heck do I do now? So what the <laughs> heck, what the heck are you doing now? Cause you're, you are doing some stuff. I am doing stuff not long after Libby died. I've, I've always been, I'm a teacher. I teach full time. I'm an English teacher, but I've also been a professional writer and, and writing has always been my outlet. So I kind of took that. And then after she died, my outlet was writing. So I just wrote, I wrote and wrote and wrote and people kept asking me how I was doing and if I needed anything or whatever. And I'm also, I know you can't tell from interview. No one, everyone says they can't tell from interviewing me, but I'm a huge introvert. Oh, me too, believe it or not. I know no one would believe that. I have a podcast, but I'm a huge introvert. Mm -hmm. Yes, good. (laughs) We sound a lot of like. I know we do. (laughs) Yeah, so I'm definitely not social at all. Uh, So I had all these people checking on me, but I never wanted to call people back. So (laughs) I started a blog. That's so funny. You and I are very much alike. They, yeah. It's so funny. People would bring me food and I would open the door and they would bring me food and they would say, they would always say, call me if you need anything. And as yes. I'm shutting the door, I'm thinking in my head, I will never call you. I will never call you. I will exactly. never call you. I don't even care who you are. I don't care how nice you've been to me. I will never call you. <laughs> that is 100% me. I, yes. Avoid the telephone like it's the plague. (laughs) So yeah, the blog started out as a way for me to just to vent about how I was doing and things that I was thinking. And it was my way of like, I'd say, you know, here, (laughs) I'd post it on, you know, social media and be like, here, if you want to know how I'm doing, read this. Yeah. What ended up happening is that people that I didn't know, it just started resonating with people because I was just kind of like brutally honest about stuff. And I had so many moms who had lost children just saying, and even just people grieving anyone said like, thank you, you know, thank you for talking about what it's really like and how you're really feeling. And it makes other people not feel so alone. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And then that was kind of motivating. So yeah, I, you know, so I just sort of got a social media presence. And then eventually I started recording videos on YouTube and it just kind of turned into a thing with people reaching out to me a lot. And then I had people saying like, do you do counseling or anything like that? And I'm like, I'm, I'm not, I'm a teacher. I'm not a counselor, Right. <laughs> but I feel like I've had enough things happen in my life that, you know, it's like, what did all this stuff happen for? Like, maybe I should try to yeah. make some sort of positive out of all the right. negative. Right. And- well, because what are you looking for now? Purpose. Yeah, right. exactly. That's what you're exactly. looking for is purpose. Mm-hmm. Yep. In actually two weeks, I'm going to be a certified grief educator. I took David Kessler's program. I've been running a child loss support group online and met some great people yeah. through that. We just meet every other week and it's just a great safe space to talk with other people that understand mm-hmm. what you're going through. 
Um, so yeah, that's kind of become my purpose. I'm writing a book. So I love that. <laughs> that's like, that's like my babe. That's yeah. 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 I just enjoy just getting my thoughts out there and helping other people feel like they're not alone and doing something that I feel like hopefully Libby would have been proud of. The other thing I did, my ex and I start Libby's dad and I started a foundation called Live Like Libby. Mm-hmm. Live Like Libby is a non- we're a nonprofit that we raise money for dancers who are in financial need. So um, we've been able to provide scholarships to to dance students to continue their dance education and pay for like competitions and costumes and things like that. Yeah, because that's expensive. It is very expensive. (laughs) And it was one of the things that we always, we always struggled with it. And when we were thinking like, what could we do in Libby's honor? Like that was the first, it's like, it's gotta be something with dance. It it has something with dance. Like that's just what she would want. So I think that would make her really, really happy to know that we're doing that. And just kind of trying to spread the message, the Live Like Libby, we actually got that from outside of her her dance studio and her elementary school after she died. They had a day where everybody drew chalk messages mm-hmm. to her. And we went to go look at them and we kept seeing Live Like Libby over and over. Really? And it was like, oh my gosh. As soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, like that is perfect. It is perfect for her because if you knew Libby, like live like Libby. Like that's how everyone should live. (laughs) It's just. Well, live like Libby really means from what you're telling me, have the best day ever. Yeah. Yeah. Make today the best day ever. Mm -hmm. Yep. Compassion, caring about other people, helping people, just trying to do good in the world and make everything positive, make it a positive place. That was her, that encapsulates her personality so well. and, And I love it. So. So yeah. So Live Like Libby has been going on for how long then? Uh, We actually started that a month after she died. So since this past March, so not even a year. Yeah, I was going to say not a year yet then. Mm -hmm. Months, yeah. So, and we've we've already given out $10,000 worth of scholarships to dancers. So that's so sweet. Oh, I'm sure that is really wonderful for them too. What a blessing. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about your blog to let people know how they can maybe follow you on social media or on your website, things like that? Sure. So my blog is grievingmommy.com, all one word. And social media is the same thing. You can just search Grieving Mommy and I'm on Facebook and Instagram. I'm on Twitter a little bit, but not as much there. I would agree. I am too. And I'm almost thinking, why? I like, I should maybe. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm like, uh, every now and then I'll throw something on there. But I I post, I post every podcast on there. But that's all I do is I just post the podcast. And then I think, is it really worth posting the podcast? I don't know. But yes, my biggest thing now is, is honestly YouTube. Um, I have the most followers on on YouTube. And I think there's just not there's just not a lot out there. And I do. uh, So my YouTube channel is grieving mommy. Mm -hmm. And I post different kinds of videos. So some are kind of vlog style where I just ramble about like how I'm feeling or something, you know, that bothered me that day or just updates on how things are going. The other kind of things are more like kind of counseling, helpful, helpful tips and tricks and things like that and how to deal with things and things that I've learned from reading 50 million grief books. <laughs> so, so yeah, I, I think it's a nice place for people to go to help them feel like they're not alone. Or if you just want I, ideas on coping and things that I do. I mean, I obviously don't claim to know everything, but, and then I talk about random things like my daughter, my last one was about, I don't know if you see this. Um, yeah. So we made memorial stones out of her ashes and and I carry this with me all the time and it's kind of like she's with me. So I I just did a video about that and and how much I love that idea. And so, yeah, those are the the places to find me. And then your support group, is that somehow through the blog too or? That is actually, if you go to to grievingmommy.com, it will say the virtual child loss support group. Mm -hmm. So you can join the group and, and yeah, we meet on Thursdays. It's Eastern time, Thursdays at 7 p.m. every other week. Uh-huh. It, yeah, it's just a great group of grieving parents. It was funny. I started out 
having like themes and kind of lessons and ideas. And then it always just sort of turned into everyone just talking about their week and how everyone was doing, or if, you know, anyone was having a certain issue or problem, <laughs> it always just kind of turned into that. So now it's just sort of like a, almost like a meet and greet. We kind of just check in with each other and see how everyone's doing. And, and if there's anything particular anyone's struggling with, and it's just a place for support. Yeah. So I've got a great virtual support group too. I do mine through Starlight Ministries and we do have kind of a curriculum that we go through that I think is just beautiful mm -hmm. and amazing. But what has happened in ours is that we now have this group chat thing and that's where we do a lot of the check-in and the, I, hey, I'm having a really bad day today or this thing happened or what do you think? And that's turned into a beautiful support too for each other, just knowing that you have a little bit of a sounding board and you've got your little group there behind you. You know, when you're feeling alone to just know that that little group is there for you. Wow. Yeah, it's very nice. Very, very nice. So now you know. Everyone knows how to get a hold of Brooke's support group there through grievingmommy.com. And then if you're interested in in the next session for Starlight Ministries, you can certainly email Stephanie at starlightmen.org and get signed up for that too. And ours is free. To, is yours as well? Yeah, yeah it is. I, I think that's nice for people to know too because a lot of times people assume that there's a cost to these things. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it's great that we don't have to do that, I think. I mean, I understand people that do, but I do love that we can do it without. So exactly. <laughs> so any other parting words that you just want to share with people? Just hang in there. Yeah. Honestly, it is. Everyone kind of asks, like, does time heal your wounds? And a thing that I found, especially if you're new to grief or child loss, like a, a lot of the groups out there, especially on, you know, Facebook, there's a lot of child loss groups yeah. and it was very disheartening yeah. at first yeah. because it, a lot of it seems so negative and people who are so far out from their loss that still seemed to like be unable to function. Yeah. And that was kind of what really got me going with the blog and studying grief and, and wanting to become a grief educator is like, how do I give people hope? Yes. Uh, you know, because <laughs> it's so daunting when you're. I agree with you. I been on some of those Facebook groups too, and it's bad. I mean, some of them are bad yeah. and you think I'm, just going to be in this deep forever. And I don't want yeah. to be. It's scary. It's a scary thought. So I don't think it has to be like no. that for people. So that's what I that's what I try to get across to people. Like literally the title of my book is Grief Sucks, but your life doesn't have to. <laughs> so that kind of tells you my yes, grief sucks. Grief is going you're going to be grieving your child the rest of your life. Yes. You're going to miss your child the rest of your life. But your life doesn't have to be terrible for yeah. the rest of your life so I mean I've heard of people though I think Gwen's told me about somebody that would get up in the morning and sit in their dark room all day long because yeah. they just refuse to want to live in that way again and it's hard and you know you originally asked that question you know does time heal Time doesn't heal. Hard work does, though, because just Absolutely. the passage of time doesn't. So if you are sitting alone in your house waiting for it to get better but mm -hmm. not doing anything about it, you're going to be waiting a long time. Exactly. Or if you just push it down and don't deal with yep. it, and it will come back yep. eventually. So, yes, you're exactly right. Doing, doing the work, doing the grief work, actually feeling your feelings. You need to feel them. You don't, it, it sucks to feel them. It really does. Yeah. It's terrible to feel them. But if you don't and you just shove them away, it doesn't help anybody. No, not at all. And and it's, no one's perfect. I mean, yeah. I get that a lot too, is like, you're smiling and laughing. And how are you doing that when your daughter died? Like, yeah. I'm, yes, I'm on camera talking to you and I, I function. Yeah. That's the other thing. Like people confuse high functioning with like not grieving yep. i am definitely grieving i'm not even a year out yeah, yet yeah. you know i'm i'm still i'm less than a month away from being a year out 
I am obviously still grieving the loss of my daughter. And I obviously still have those moments where I am bawling and I still can't go in her room, which is next door, or else I just lose it, yeah. you know, so I definitely see them. Well, I just started recording here in Andy's room. This is Andy's. Just started oh. recording here in the last month. Month. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And but that's what I try to tell people is that you can you can learn to function even through your grief, which I, I think is the healthiest thing to do. No question. So, that's at least what I would want for people, you know. Yeah. And to not judge kind of based on the outside, whether I think both extremes, we get it both ways, right? If you're if you're a crying mess, then people are like, oh, she's not doing well. It's bad, you know? I I wish she'd do better, but she's not. And if you're smiling, then it's like, oh, well, she's over it. And how could she be smiling? And, and right? You, you just don't feel like there is any way to do it right. Right. And I guess that's what we're both trying to do is to say there isn't really a way to do it right in many ways, but you just do the best you can. And... And hopefully sometimes you can smile and know that if I'm smiling on the outside, I might not be smiling on the inside and that grief and joy can coexist and do. Definitely. Yeah. Absolutely. Love that. Well, thank you so much, Brooke, for being a guest on the podcast. I enjoyed hearing about Libby and living like Libby and just living each day to be the best day ever. Aww. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I love any chance I get to talk about her. So, so this was great. Thanks for listening. If you found this helpful or would like to support the podcast, please leave a five-star rating and comment. To help financially, you can text Andy's mom to the number 53555 or visit the donate page on andysmom.com. Your donations are secure and tax-deductible, and we are now able to accept Venmo, PayPal, and Apple Pay. Always Andy's Mom is a registered 501c3 organization and can receive donations through smile.amazon.com, Thrive in Financial, and Benevity, amongst others. Marcy loves hearing from listeners. Please feel free to reach out to her via email at marcy at Also, be sure to sign up for the email list to receive weekly updates as well as pictures of all of Marcy's guests and their children. Together, let's work to inspire hope one day at a time.